0: Lilienthal, and you are listening to "Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord." I'm excited this week to prepare with you. Looking forward to the second Sunday of the Advent season. Uh, last week we looked at Advent one, and so we're continuing in the same season. So uh, the the seasonal notes I gave from last week are all going to stay the same. We're we're remaining purple uh, or violet for the color. We're remaining in this season of preparation and watching. Uh, waiting for Jesus' coming, uh, and looking at those three Advents. Now, if you remember the uh, the Locke book, uh, the uh, Book of Family Prayer that I quoted from last time, uh, he talked about the three Advents that uh, Christ makes. And in the second week, we are especially looking at uh, how he still comes to us now in word and sacrament. So, it, I want to look at another book uh, this is uh, a book called Lutheran Worship. It's kind of simply bound um, with 8 uh, eight and a half by 11 sheets. Uh, it's prepared by Bruce R. Backer, uh, and he looks at uh, the traditions of Lutheran worship and kind of coordinates them in various uh, different ways. But uh, he he says this about uh, the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, he, he gives the theme for this Sunday, Jesus Will Come to Judge. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. Uh, But the Son of Man will come in a cloud with power and great glory. At that time whole countries will be in despair, afraid of the roar of the sea and the raging tides. People will faint from fear as they wait for what is coming over the whole earth, for the powers in space will be driven from their courses. When these fearful things happen, do not look down upon the earth, nor to wealth, nor to friends. These cannot help you. Look up to him who went before you to build a home for you. Look up, lift your heads, your final deliverance has come. The King of Grace has returned." Lift up your heads, all grief and pain shall vanish when he comes again, where we shall see him face to face, there joy alone shall have a place. Uh, so looking at uh, the final coming of Jesus especially is how he, uh, he sees all of this. So uh, once again, the, the first thing we do when we uh, are preparing a service itself, I've kind of already cheated the system a little bit uh, by looking at another source here and thinking about the themes more broadly, but we always like to look at the readings first. So again, we are following the Old Testament lectionary uh, by Glenn Obenberger. So instead of reading the Old Testament first, we're going to look at the epistle lesson. Uh, The epistle lesson for the second Sunday of Advent is from Romans 15, 4 through 13. Indeed, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through patient endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we would have hope. And may God, the source of patient endurance and encouragement, grant that you agree with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that with one mind, in one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, accept one another as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. I am saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, He also did this so that the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this reason I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples give him praise. And again Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, and he is the one who will rise up to rule the Gentiles. On him the Gentiles will place their hope. Now may the God of hope, fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with the hope with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes yeah, so we see here that emphasis of the word that comes through this and it's it's a word that's given not only to the, the Jews, the those who are circumcised as it's described here, uh, the promises were made to the patriarchs, Jewish patriarchs, uh, the, the ancestors of, of Israel. But these promises were not only for them, but also for the Gentiles. And we see that that comes through the word uh, as well, that as the promise was uh, fulfilled, uh, as the word comes, uh, as as Christ came, being someone who was born uh, among the Jews, he also continues to come to the Gentiles, and that is meant to unify us. Uh, The Jew and Gentile alike are supposed to be unified in this Christian faith in this Christ who has come. So we are to be unified uh in in his word. That's how he, he comes to us that way. Um so that's that's the, the, the uh coordinating idea behind that uh that lesson, the epistle lesson. The gospel lesson is from Luke twenty one, twenty five through thirty six, and we'll look at that next. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars and on the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the surging waves, people fainting from fear and expectation of things coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, but when you see these things begin to happen, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is near. He told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees, As soon as they are sprouting leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is actually near. So also when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Amen, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Watch yourselves, or else your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. And that day may come on you suddenly, for it will come like a trap. On all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert all the time, praying that you may be able to escape all those things that are going to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So, once again, looking at the end times here, looking at the final coming of Christ, we're looking at how we can be prepared for that. Uh, and Jesus says that this these signs that are coming are, are signs of your redemption. And you know that your redemption is coming near because you've heard Jesus' clear and sure word, uh, that that emphasis on the word can't be overstated, that, that that's what prepares us, that's what unites us to Christ, that's what gives us the surety of our eternal salvation. He says that phrase in there in the gospel in verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If we're clinging to those words, then we're not going to pass away with heaven and earth, but we're going to be brought over to the new heaven and earth. So that tether of faith that ties us to that word, the word of Christ, uh, that's what gives us that eternal life and that hope in the face of the end times. Now, I believe I did misspeak earlier when I uh, cited uh, the Bishop Lockie in his book, The Book of Family Prayer, that the second week of Advent does emphasize the the second coming of Christ as far as the Advents are concerned. It'll be next week, uh, Advent 3, that we look at the coming in, in, in the Word, in the means of grace. Uh, but he comes to us now uh, in the means of grace to prepare us, for that second coming. So that's why some of these themes are, are are united here. But all of that is itself tied to the first advent of Christ when he came in Bethlehem, when, when he came in the womb of Mary, uh, that advent uh, that occurred at Christmas. Uh, and so, yes, this week we are uh, looking especially at his second coming, which seems uh, to be the most closely tied to the last season of the church here that we had just, uh, just weeks prior uh the last three weeks of the church here before advent started uh which are all about the end times, so we're looking at the end times again uh here especially this week, but we're looking at it in terms of jesus coming uh the the end times emphasis uh in the church here tends to be uh we're looking for for the signs we're looking for the judgment uh we're looking for heaven, but here especially we're looking at how jesus comes uh it it's a, a, a little tiny nuance of difference, but there is a difference in there, uh, and so in that uh, we are we are looking at when Jesus will come as judge. Uh, but we can see how we are going to be confident in that judgment uh, again because of his first advent in Bethlehem, and because of his continuing advent now in the means of grace. We have that comfort uh, and that that confidence. All right so I've looked at the uh the first two lessons I want to look uh uh again at uh the psalm for the week now the hymnary uh proposes on page two o two psalm eighty for this week uh so we're gonna look at page eighty and yes it is on page one eighty four in the hymnary so uh we'll we'll use part of uh, well it's on page one eighty three uh starts on page one eighty three and goes over to page one eighty four that's what I'm thinking. Um, there are 19 verses of it, so again, I'm going to trim that uh, a little bit, so we're not singing the, the whole 19 verses. It, it's it's a great psalm, but uh, that's a lot of singing for, for an unrehearsed choir, such as Our Saviors in Albert Lee. Uh, so I'm going to trim it down, and I think I am going to move it over to page 184, uh, where we'll just start there with verse 7, and go verses 7 through 19 of, uh, of, psalm, 180, or of psalm 80. Uh, this is uh, following a different tone than than last week's. Last week's was tone three. Here we're going with uh, tone one, uh, and so it's gonna it's gonna go like this: Restore us, O God of hosts, cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. And then each verse is gonna follow that same pattern all the way through verse nineteen, and then uh, the uh, the Gloria Patri uh, that concludes the psalm. Um, so yes that that restoration that we're asking for we're asking god's face to shine uh we're we're calling on god's grace when we look at the the uh the judgment when when we look at when Jesus comes as judge, uh we as Christians are looking at that time when he comes with the confidence that he will judge us righteous uh we're looking at that time as our salvation, our redemption is near our salvation is coming there when Jesus comes, he comes as our Savior and judge. Uh, he comes as our shepherd and king. Uh, he comes as the one who will bring us home. Uh, and so we're, when we're praying this psalm, we are praying for the confidence uh, of what Jesus does truly provide. Um, and I, I've got some some ideas already for, for hymns coming through here. Uh, I want to look at the, the Old Testament lesson, which will also be the sermon text for this, uh, from uh, Glenn Obenberger's Old Testament lectionary. Uh, And that's from Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. This is the account about the development of Noah's family. Noah was a righteous man, a man of integrity in that generation. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. In the sight of God, the earth was morally corrupt, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked at the earth and saw that it was corrupt, for all flesh was corrupt in all their ways on the earth. So God said to Noah, I have decreed the end of all flesh, because the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Seal it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark is to be 450 feet, its width 75 feet, and its height 45 feet. Make a roof for the ark, and leave an 18-inch opening just under the roof. Place a door on the side of the ark. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. I myself am about to bring a flood of waters on the earth in order to destroy all flesh under the sky that has the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth will die, but I will establish my covenant with you. You shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives with you. You shall bring a pair, male and female, of every kind of living flesh into the ark with you to keep them alive. Include the birds according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, every creeping thing on the ground according to their kinds. Two of every sort shall come to you so you can keep them alive. Take with you every type of food that is eaten and store it for yourself so it can be used as food for you and for them. So that is what Noah did. He did everything that God commanded him just as he had been told. So we're getting into some other familiar stories in Genesis, this being the story of the flood. Uh, but with this, we're, we're preparing for the flood now, which has the parallel of preparing for the end times. Uh, i think it's peter who makes that connection uh between uh the time of noah and the the last days um that uh the 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 wickedness of the world is is similar uh we look around us and we see the sin growing rampant uh we we see how how things are are going downhill you know the the phrase uh, it's going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> um but uh it it's it's not too too far-fetched to to think uh in those terms because the the world does need to be judged because of sin uh god is a righteous holy god he cannot let s- sin stand uh the good news in all of this is that he has already punished sin in christ in his son uh and so he took the punishment for all that sin he took the the the, the payment he took the 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 guilt of that sin, uh, and so we're, we look to him. Now, in Noah's time, the parallel was that uh, the, the whole earth around him was, was descended into this wickedness. God was hitting the reset button, so to speak, uh, but he kept Noah and his family as a sign of grace, that he called them, it says Noah was righteous uh, in, in God's eyes, as opposed to the rest of the world. Uh, and that's that's not a, an intrinsic quality in Noah. It's because of God being with him, of uh, because of what God gave to him. Um, we we see elsewhere in Scripture. There's no one righteous. No, not one. Uh, and so to see uh, Noah, uh, Moses. Mo- have I been saying Moses? It's oh my goodness, uh, Noah. <laughs> uh, to see Noah obeying God here uh, and and building the ark uh, that he he's he's. Handling with his hands the the means of his own salvation uh it's it's the same sort of obedience uh that a, a Christian performs by by going to church by by sitting and listening to the word by by bringing children to be baptized or being baptized himself by coming to receive the lord's supper that that obedience that we we obey the commands to go and eat and drink which grammatically are. Uh, our commands are imperatives you know eat drink uh, those are command words uh by obeying those commands we are handling the very means of our salvation as well uh and and that's that's the parallel that we see with noah it's not so much that he was being obedient it was a privilege that he was being given to receive these things and and yes he was putting work into it uh but uh, that that doesn't mean that he, that the work is what saved him that what saved him is what god provided to him god provided the plans god provided the the outline for the ark god uh, used noah as well as as the the essentially the pastor the priest of his whole family uh to to bring that salvation to the family and to all the the animals as well so that the the world would um be remade uh with that that righteous family uh, and again, righteous is, uh, Luther used the term two kinds of righteousness. He wrote a sermon on that uh, early in his, his career. Uh, the two kinds of righteousness being actual righteousness and attributed righteousness. Actual righteousness is is what we do, uh, what the, the good works that we perform. And certainly Noah had some of those, but the real righteousness that counted was the attributed righteousness, that God counted him righteous in Christ who was to come, just as he counts each and every one of us righteous in Christ who has come and will come again. Uh, that, that attributed righteousness comes to us as well through those same means of grace. Again, it's all tied together here, that uh, in the word and sacraments is how we are counted righteous. Interesting notes about the ark here. Uh, in uh, church architecture, we, we call the, the place where the people sit in church the nave, Uh, and you you hear the word navy is, is related to that. The, the nave has to do with a a boat shape. Uh, and if you look in, in many churches, uh, if you were to stand on your head, you would look as though you were standing, uh, in the belly of a ship. The way the, the roof of the church is arced looks like the bottom of a boat. Uh, and it's, it's intentionally done that way. Uh, the, the, the church is the ship, the ark. Uh, on which the people of God are sailing through the wicked world until we, we reach the shores of the heavenly promised land, the, the new heavens and the new earth, we are protected in this ark. And the reason we're protected in this ark is not because of the building not because of, of the, the bricks and the wood or even the people that are inside. It's it's because of the means of grace that are found there, the word that is preached and its truth and purity and the sacraments that are rightly administered. It's through those things that we receive that same salvation, uh, the same salvation that Noah received and the salvation that will come to us on the last day as well when Jesus comes again. Um Further uh, imagery with all of this, if we're looking at the the first advent of Christ when he came as a baby uh, in Mary's womb. Uh, it's uh, you can see how uh, she is is more or less her womb is the ark of Christ, uh, but uh, then he moves from there into a manger, uh, and there there's a lot of. Uh, symbolism to see with that it a literal manger i, I don't want to de-emphasize the historical reality of all of this but uh, the, the symbolism here why god chose it that way and i i don't presume to know the extent of god's wisdom but there there are certain parallels that we can see in scripture with this uh that uh the the word ark is is used again in the old testament with uh, the ark of the Covenant that carried uh, the Ten Commandments, that carried uh, Aaron's staff, that carried manna, uh, these these things that had to do with how God saved his people in the wilderness. And they carried that ark through that wilderness until they reached the Promised Land. Um, Jesus is ultimately that ark, because on top of that ark of the covenant uh, was the mercy seat, where where God as judge would sit uh well jesus is is seated first in Mary's womb when he's conceived uh and and in that womb he's encountered by John the Baptist, his cousin in in his aunt elizabeth's womb uh, and and John leaps for joy in, on encountering jesus there the the one who came to save the world um the the unborn child even having faith there, but then he moves out of there into the manger and in that manger he is Met by by joyful shepherds as well as his parents, uh, Mary and and Joseph, his adopted father. Uh, they 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 come and see him and and worship him. And those shepherds then go joyfully away to tell the good news. They they're the first messengers. These these shepherds uh, to 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 tell the good news of of the one who had come. But he's he's in that manger itself, the the ark. The one who was the savior, the the judge of the world, uh, had come and made himself visible, and that's a joyful message, uh, that, 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 that we can be happy <laughs> about that, uh, we can sing about that, and be excited about it that he came here. Um, that that, that ark is, is similar with this ark that Noah built, simply because it, both carry salvation. Both are God's instruments for bringing salvation and judgment at the same time. Uh, the mercy seat, as I said, is the the seat of the judge, uh, the, the king who sits in his throne and, and judges the cases brought before him. The, there's comfort there knowing that it's a mercy seat. He's offering mercy there. Uh, but it, it brings that judgment and that mercy, that salvation at the same time. Jesus describes that in the gospel lesson as well, that these last days are our judgment, uh, but we are to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. Our salvation is near. Now, uh, I didn't bring this up last week, but Glenn Obenberger has uh, historical themes listed uh, for each week. And the, the second Sunday of Advent, the theme is watchfulness, uh, that we are to watch and be ready for that coming of Christ. Uh, Noah watched and was ready and was saved. Ah, uh, the rest of the world was was not thought noah was was foolish for for the, for building this this boat in the middle of the desert. Uh, the world is going to think we're we're silly. i mean how how often isn't the idea mocked uh, of uh, the the crazy guy standing on the street corner telling everyone the kingdom of God is near? I mean i I disagree with his methods, but he's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the kingdom of God is near, you know, the cardboard signs and things, uh, there are certain mental illness issues with, with many who, who present in such a way. And I, I've, I've encountered some of those in some of the bigger cities, but, um, the message is true. And, and just because, uh, it's, it's presented by those who have other, other issues doesn't mean the message itself is wrong, but unfortunately the world does, mock the message. Uh, so those who are watchful are, are mocked and humiliated, but those who are watchful are going to have their redemption on the last day. And that's, that's the comfort that we're looking for. All right. So for the rest of the the service here, as, a, as I'm planning this, um, there are a few different, uh, hymns that are coming to mind. Number one is hymn number 100, uh, is is very, very suitable for this. Hymn number 100 is The Bridegroom Soon Will Call Us. And what I'm going to do this week is something similar to what I did last week. This is another seven-verse hymn uh, that's appropriate for Advent 2, so I'm going to split it again. So for the chief hymn, we're going to sing the first four verses of The Bridegroom Soon Will Call Us, uh, and then for the hymn of thanks, uh, we're going to sing verses 5 through 7, the last three verses. Uh, so the bridegroom soon will call us. It's a, It especially refers to the the parable of the the wise and foolish virgins, which came up in end time, the last Sunday of end time. But this uh, just draws the parallel once again to that end time. That same watchfulness that uh, the the wise virgins were to present uh, by having their oil in store was uh, to it is to be the same watchfulness we see now that we're looking to the coming of Christ. Uh we're we're waiting for his coming as as savior. Uh and it comes here in verse 4 our father rich in blessing will give us crowns of gold and to his bosom pressing impart a bliss untold. That salvation is coming to us. That that joy uh, and then at the end, the seventh verse, thus, God shall from all evil forever make us free from sin and from the devil, from all adversity, from sickness, pain, and sadness, from troubles, cares, and fears, and grant us heavenly gladness and wipe away our tears. Uh, this deliverance from the world is is coming out here. This deliverance from sin and from death and from the devil is all uh, what we're looking forward to with this watchfulness. So there's, there's those two uh, hymns. We're going to start with an invocation hymn. Uh, Something at the beginning of the hymnary. This is one that I know uh, has has a great Norwegian tradition and and is familiar to many in the congregation. It's In Jesus' Name, hymn number four. In Jesus' name, our work must all be done. It's uh, a very deep and ponderous hymn. My four year old can sing this one, she knows it so well. But uh, this this hymn uh, was was written by a guy who was preparing for his own wedding. He wrote it for his own wedding. Um, So that that connects with that bridegroom, even though that's not one of the readings uh, for this week, that we are looking to our Savior, our Judge, who is our bridegroom, who is coming to call us to bring us home to live with him in paradise. Uh and so we're we're looking forward to that what I'm especially looking at here uh is verse 3 in Jesus name we live and we will die uh, and at the end when at last saved by his grace we shall see him face to face live with him in paradise uh looking to that resurrection looking to the coming of Christ on the last day that we are looking for salvation at the end there um But the point of this whole hymn is that every task we perform, everything we do is done in Jesus' name, and that again is tying to these means of grace, that as we live in this life, as we look backward to the one who came to bring us salvation, we see we have that salvation, we are baptized in his name, we do everything we do as Christians in his name, so that when he comes again, we are members of his family, we are part of... Those he has saved, we are brought to heaven with him. Uh, and so we're going to close then with uh, a benediction hymn. Uh, this is near the end of the Henry It's uh, hymn number 595, uh, Peace to Soothe Our Bitter Woes. This is just a two-verse uh, hymn by uh, uh, Niles Gruntvig, uh, another uh, Norwegian uh, I think he might be Danish, actually, uh, poet. But it's it's uh, another one that's that I know is familiar to people. Uh, peace to soothe our bitter woes. Uh, again, this this juxtaposition of judgment and salvation in Christ, we have that peace. in In the face of judgment, we are worried uh, about our our status. If we're honest with ourselves, if we really look at our our sinfulness, but. In Jesus, we have that peace. In, in Christ, we have that that salve for our consciences. So that's what we're going to end with. So the overall structure of the service is going to be more or less uh, how it was last week. The only difference is the tradition here at... Uh, our saviors, is to do right one for the second Sunday of the month, but without communion. We cut out the the communion portion um, and instead just follow a a service of the word. So it's going to follow the same basic outline, the opening prayer, uh, then the entrance hymn, hymn number four, confession of sin. We're going to do a shorter option for that one, the Kyrie, the absolution, uh, skipping the Gloria and Excelsis Deo, the salutation, then the collect, Uh, then we'll read the epistle lesson, and sing him or sing Psalm eighty seven through nineteen. Then read the gospel lesson. Confess this time the Apostles' Creed, uh, if you remember from the, uh, the 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 Paul Lang book, Ceremony and Celebration. Uh, the Nicene Creed is appropriate for festivals and when there is a communion. Since there's no communion, uh, we will be uh, confessing the Apostles' Creed. Then uh, the chief hymn, one hundred verses one through four. Sermon on Genesis six nine through twenty two prayer of the church that we pray responsibly. This time it'll end with uh, a speaking of the Lord's prayer, uh, followed by the apostolic benediction and the offering. And then here's where things change. Instead of uh, the, uh, the, the service of Holy Communion, we skip. Uh, and then we sing hymn 100 verses 5 through 7 after receiving the offering. Uh, then we pray a collect. There are three collects at the end here. We're going to pray the one that's most appropriate for Advent. Uh, and then uh, the benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, we sing hymn 595 to close, and we close with the prayer, the the closing prayer. So that's the, the, the structure for the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, we went a little bit quicker this time around because I wasn't giving as much background on Advent. We're staying in that same season, but we are looking ahead. Still, to that coming of Christ, we're preparing for his advent, and it is still a penitential season. I emphasized a lot here the, the joyful aspects of this, but all of that needs to be held in uh, in that uh, parallel, in connection with the judgment, with the, the, the wrath of God uh, that is coming against sin. The flood was a devastating thing, destroying the whole world, a flood that covered the entire world up to the tallest mountain. Um, that, that's just a, a picture of the wrath of God that will come at the end of the world as well. Uh, so yes, we are, it is incumbent upon us to turn to God still in repentance. That's why we're still in the purple, uh, violet season, uh, of, of penitence, turning to God, uh, repenting of our sins. But we do see in this that we receive his salvation, that in the face of this judgment, that the terrifying floodwaters that came on Noah, were also the means for his salvation because in those waters he was raised up above the world that was destroyed below. Uh, likewise, for us, the baptismal waters uh, drown the old Adam in us, but raise to life the new man. And so also on the last day uh, when Christ comes, the world will be destroyed in fire, but uh, in that fire we also will be purified and brought. Uh, to, to our eternal heavenly home with our Savior Jesus, who has come on that last day. So, uh, once again, that's the uh, Advent two. Uh, that's our preparation for that Sunday. Uh, so, Again, stay in contact with me. You can find uh, the, the website, tapesterradio.org slash Lord's house. Uh, put in some contact there. Find some of the resources that I've mentioned in this episode and in all the episodes of the podcast. You can find me, myself, on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L and keep in touch with me there. Uh, but until next time, peace be within you. Oh, no! oh, no!